0: You're kind of like Dion Sanders. I mean, you film two sports.
1: And at a high level. At the highest level. We just need to get you some shades. <laughs> swap those out dude. with those mirrorless ones and you be
0: set. So as someone who films two sports, what would you say is the main difference between covering a baseball game and a basketball game?
2: If like someone steals my job just because of like one secret that I give away, like how good am I? Don't see like shooting at high school or college as, as a downside because you have full control. I think it's less about who you're filming and more about how you're filming mm-hmm. it, right? If you approach it in a way, of pushing the creative limits and, and telling stories that you want to tell. You might even be in a better position as far as like putting yourself in a good spot to get a, a really good gig.
1: Scott took the day off. I go to the game. He's up in a suite. What's a your little Load management? They're load <laughs> managing
2: their shooters over at Spectrum. <laughs> you're running with your tripod, your FX9, your audio gear, and then a light panel, and like you're like running down the hallway trying to get to a room. You don't spend an hour or more setting up like this beautiful interview. It's like, I have 30 seconds and Clayton Kershaw's walking
1: in here. This is Ike Gordon 13 He asks, how 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 do you keep content fresh with the length of a baseball season? Incredible question. Scott's still trying to work through that. (laughs) They're the best production food. Yeah, is an Uncrustable, dude. If you uh, if you're getting your team together and you gotta shoot, bring them some Uncrustables. They'll be fired up. So I graduated from University of Washington, 2016. We're gonna kick your ass here in a few days, and I cannot wait for that game. Get some money down. I forgot twenty dollars right now. I know it's a little steep. Oh, dude, this is gonna feel so sweet as a pod clip. Dubs down? Ladies and gentlemen welcome back to episode 82 of the 505 podcast today we welcome a very special guest we got scott ohashi in the house he is a video producer behind backstage lakers and backstage dodgers he's incredible incredibly talented and i'm stoked for you guys to hear this one and not only is he incredibly talented he's like incredibly nice dude his energy
0: was like infectious what a great guy i loved how he talked about storytelling You know, a lot of the people that I feel like we have on the podcast are super focused in the social media side of stuff. And you know, you can create stories within a shorter piece of content, but he's working on 30 minute long pieces and hearing his process within creating stories for a longer piece of content is really interesting stuff.
1: I mean, he goes into his color grading process. He goes into his sound design process. How he goes about getting all of these shots and shooting two completely different sports. Uh, basketball is a lot faster than baseball, and he talks about all of the differences and how he goes about creating this content. What you know, his conversations are like with his editors and with other people on the Spectrum team. Uh, it really was. It really was interesting. Also, uh, I just had media day dude. I don't know how
0: you're like awake right now because you're you shot media day and then we went right into the podcast so I just appreciate you for showing up and I you must be exhausted.
1: I mean I've been cutting I've been cutting all day. You chefed a banger. We're taking we're taking a little bit of a break to do this late at night and then I'm gonna hop back and finish off crazy uh, finish this off but one really important thing right as I got to use three cameras today, I haven't oh. I haven't ever done that before. Bringing three different uh, pieces of camera gear that I was actually using at the same time. Okay, so I had a C two hundred, I had a C seventy, and I had the ZVE one. How are you carrying all these cameras? The C two hundred was strictly used for like pressers, so I wasn't technically like okay. on the C two hundred, but it was used yeah. today. The C seventy was my main situation that I was running around with, and I had it on a Ronin. Thanks for letting me borrow that. Dude, by I way. got you.
0: Come on. How wait? How do you like shooting a C seventy versus uh c200
1: the c200 or the c70 is night and day better than the, the c200 it just looks better sure it has a very a very like cinematic feel mm. to it and i don't know if I could, you can't really tell unless you're looking at the footage side by side. You can really see uh, the main differences. But then the ZV-1 was great because I could just hold it like low in places and it just gets this like very wide, cool picture um, that I was able to splice into stuff. And I feel like when you have a smaller form factor camera like that, it's not like, oh, there's a video camera here. And so people are more like comfortable and less assuming. Yeah. It's less assuming. It's like, oh, I know that like little pea shooter camera, but it it was amazing. It worked super well. And so I was able to kind of like sideline that if I didn't want to be like holding the Ronin in front of someone's totally. face I could just have that there you know what the best part about it is though tell me they lasted all day on Lexar cards wow you shot you shot media day on Lexar cards Lexar cards Come on. Dude. and it's linked down below so you use our code it really helps the boys out a lot so if you're looking for another memory card I was using the V90 128s and they're just amazing dude they lasted me all day I didn't have any problems with them and I've been stress testing them for the last six 6 to 8 months with yeah. the ZV1 nice. with all my personal stuff. It's been working amazing, so I really hope that you guys take my advice. Go check out those cards in so the description. Dude. They're they're linked down below and
0: I was shooting a music video with Keon on the Lexar cards and here's the thing. <laughs> I made the mistake of thinking the A1 had dual native ISO at 12,800. It doesn't. Okay? So the footage is a little grainy, but I got the footage, you know what I'm saying? Like I can't rely on the 12,800 on the A1, but I can rely on the Lexar cards to get to shoot. that footage. Exactly, too. and I've been using it um, to shoot the Monarch Gym stuff, and they're reliable, man, they're great cards, so hit that link in the bio, go copy a Lexar card.
1: And let's get into this one-handed crack. Scott, give me the one-handed crack, dude. Okay, the rules. Yeah, the rules, just pick it up off the table and don't mess it up. Oh shit! Let's give me the spin. Can you spin around? That sounded like you performed surgery on the can. I don't know how you didn't dent it, but I heard a lot of dents from from my it, ears.
2: I'm not gonna lie, I did dent it. You but did. I, like, but I un. But it popped. You popped it out,
1: and that also that's good. That's great stuff. So you, we're gonna lob out a six nine to start off the pod. Scott, welcome to the show. Highest baby. score we've
0: had in a while. Yeah, no kidding. We've been
1: getting a lot of zeros, a lot of that, nas, because people just don't listen to the rules. It's yeah. very simple, and I say it every time. I say don't pick it up off the table and then people you, you know. said you said something interesting though hmm. now if you dent
0: it while opening it but they pop back it, out it
1: docks a little bit so like i was if that was a fine one and yeah. you didn't like pop those dents i couldn't lie you to were you. gonna creep up to high seven territory you know, what's the highest do we can you play the highest score right now the we highest score i think back was back tyler that. babin i think ever he had in the nines he had a nine it was just insane but it
0: was, it, it was really really good but this was also at a time when Braden
1: was being a little more charitable. He was
0: being a little lax on his scores he since has cracked the whip but what I'm wondering is if you if you dent it yeah and the dents stay. That's a lower score than for if sure. you dent it and they pop if out. If it dents and it stays, it can't be above a five. Because let's talk
2: about, it's about the presentation here, right? Yeah, no, like, for you sure. Like, you can, you can you, fuck something up when you're shooting it. Exactly. But then if you and then if your editor cover it up. up <laughs> oh, come on now.
1: True. <laughs> Dude, so is there, you, you just got done covering a team that just broke 100 wins. What is your last month look like? Because I don't get to see you for a portion of the year. You kind of go hibernation mode on me. I do. And then... You just come out of the woodworks and you'll show up, and I'll be like, Holy shit, Scott's I'm back. I'm back. Yeah. So, and I went to cover a Dodger game the other night. Scott took the day off. He just took, the, took the day off. I go to the game. He's up in a suite. You they, know what's
2: funny is I saw you down there. Oh, you did? Running around. Oh, you were at game. Game. Yeah. the game? Just shooting. He was in the suite. Sweet.
1: He was in the suite. They were all hanging out. They're just That's not right. working. Unbelievable. <laughs>
0: I couldn't imagine taking a day off. Yeah, I couldn't either. But yeah. what's Got, your last... do it. What's little your last load management? Yeah. yeah, yeah. 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 They're load really managing
1: their shooters over at Spectrum. It's impressive. <laughs> Apply now.
2: <laughs>
0: um, you gotta get ready for playoffs. You know, you guys just made playoffs. It's get like, ready. you know, Freddie
2: plays through clinching. Now you know, that I think about
1: it, it makes a lot of sense. And I'm happy they gave you guys the day off because
2: you're covering a lot of games. What has your last few months looked like? It's a lot, um, but it's fun, man. Like I don't know how much you guys have seen of what we got to, what we actually get a chance to do with with backstage but it's um it's awesome we tell a 30 minute behind the scenes story every friday so we go out and film behind the scenes content of of these guys and they're grateful enough to to give us a lot of their time most of the time not every time but most of the time and so we're in charge of you know pitching stories and getting ideas going and and then going out and tapping guys on the shoulder and seeing if they're down to do it and sometimes they're like yeah and sometimes they're like no, uh, which is which is fair because they're there to play, a, you know, professional sport. So, um, but it's been good. It's been we've had a chance to do some really fun stories, and it's uh, it's a good time. And it's it's tough though, as you know, it's a long season. 162 baseball games is a lot, but man, it's it's like getting a chance to be on the other side of things is like not just filming content, but getting a chance to tell stories and like a little bit longer form too is is pretty special.
1: Do you prefer the longer form stuff over the shorter form stuff?
2: I'm in between. I'm in between. Um, they're both special for different reasons, right? Getting a chance to do long form stuff, you really get a chance to build out the story, but there's also something cool about doing quick stuff and trying to see if you can capture attention quickly. And that's usually where, like what I do in my socials, like my edits and stuff is just like fun things that are little that I'm trying out and testing. And so I kind of get a chance to do a little bit of both in that sense.
1: Yeah, it's so it's so interesting because you also just you said fuck vertical, fuck horizontal. <laughs> you just do what you just do whatever flies that day. That that's a big thing for me. You're um, a big nonconformist. Yo, shout out to you. I love it. But how did you how do you kind of decide? Cuz you flip-flop between going vertical, going back to horizontal and yeah. I I look forward to it every time <laughs> to see what you what you end up picking because you used to not post stuff and you have started posting a ton of stuff, and I love it. I love seeing all the
2: work that that you're doing. You know, I I still don't post that much, though. You know, it's funny, but um, my big thing, and like I think what I try to pride myself on, is not always relying on like trends or things that are popular within social media at the time, and more just focusing on what's inspiring to me. When I when I open up Premiere, DaVinci, like what am I interested in doing? What am I interested in creating? And Sometimes, as everyone knows, when you shoot horizontal and you go to crop things vertical, it just never looks as good. Ever, composition's all off. That's a huge thing, right? And um, I'm like, I don't really care if this gets a ton of views or not. I like it, and so I want to share it. And that's that's where that comes from. But then there's sometimes where I'm like, oh yeah, like it would look really cool vertical, or um, if the if the resolution is is good enough, <laughs> and I can <laughs> crop in two x, three x, and make it look okay, but Yeah, it's really just like whatever I feel is looking good and whatever, I mean, it all depends on the edit too, right? Like sometimes you wanna have a little bit longer and have it be horizontal. Sometimes you like want it to be vertical and have it be a little shorter. So I don't know, I to be honest, I don't have a a formula, a plan. Oftentimes I just kind of toss it in a timeline and go from there, so.
0: You're talking about how there's something special about both, right, the short form and long form. You enjoy the long form because you enjoy the storytelling aspect of that. How involved are you in figuring out like what stories are gonna be told on backstage? Um, I was watching some of the stuff on YouTube and there was like a September call up. Who was the guy? It was Colton Wong. Yes. You guys did the feature on him. So are you in tune with like, okay, he got called up, let's do a feature on him or is Spectrum coming to you and saying, hey, we got this guy called up, we need you to cover him and like,
2: put together something. That's us baby. That's us. That's awesome. Yeah, so I mean it's funny cuz as soon as this like for example Colton Long as soon as he got traded, literally the day he gets traded, all right, we're going to see out on 3 weeks. Let's do this. You know, boom, it's a story. Cuz every every week we have to fill a story. So uh, three segments and so we got to hit that 2330 mark every Friday. So anything that comes up that's that's interesting, we're like, all right, stamp that. Put you know, write that down. We're going to we're going to come back to that later. So as soon as he got traded to us, we're like, okay, he's in the minors right now, or, you know, working, working his way up, gets called up, like, all right, boom, going to Seattle. But then it's like, that's the idea, right? Which we have a lot of times, but then we got to go ask the guy. So, hey man, what's up? Scott, do you want to get bugged for a day <laughs> while, while you go back to the place, you know, you just got DFA'd from a few weeks prior and, you know, he's, he was awesome He was so great so so gracious with his time I was so down to do you know something with us so but yeah that's that's something we have a uh, we hop on a call every friday uh, and monday talk through ideas and pitch different stories and whatnot and then
1: and who's on the call because you you get to work with like a producer mm-hmm. right who who
2: makes up the spectrum team it's a small squad we got pat becker which is our i guess executive producer and then Brett Teal, who brought me into the job. Brad Feig is also one of the lead editors. And then we have Nathan Palm, shout out Nate Palm. Mark, Let's go. we work with the boys. Lakers, that's right. Um, Mark isn't always on the calls with us, but um, so it's usually what? Two editors, Nate, myself, Pat, and like two PAs. So seven of us. So it's a pretty, pretty small squad to, to create a 30 minute episode each Friday. And Braden was telling me you only shoot you don't yes. edit? Yeah. For oh, the show. How nice yeah. is that? It's, oh, it's amazing. Yeah it's, yeah, it's great. It's great. Uh, it's something to try not to take for granted, you know? <laughs> yeah, don't um, take it for yeah, granted. So I, I really don't know how I got here, to be honest with you. But um, yeah, I get a chance to just film. And then our editors are insane. Yeah. They, they, they can crush these stories so quickly. It's it's insane. Sometimes we're getting these, our footage to them the day before, two days before. And they still have, you know, eight, ten minutes to, to cut for a story. So it's, it's awesome.
0: How like conscious are you of knowing that you have to shoot enough footage for a 30 minute piece? Very, very, because that's a lot. lot.
1: And you shoot way different than like we shoot. Like I looked at uh, Nate's clips one time. He was like helping with an edit and you guys are rolling for extended periods of time. Like it's like seven, maybe 10 minute shots and then he'll cut and then another five and then maybe another 10 or something for content. At least we're getting like five to 15 seconds, maybe 30 seconds, not, it's like very short clips. And so, you know, what, what is the process like for, um, for kind of getting all of that content together
2: for a show? Well, we have a structure for, for stories, depending on the story, what we're doing, but we're always being conscious of like, do we have enough elements? So the big part of what we're doing is like, you can, you can interview a guy about getting called up or, you know, coming into the big leagues or, or whatever, but don't you want to hear from his parents? Don't you want to hear from his his fiance or wife who've been going through that journey the whole time with them? You know, the parents that drove him to practice for for years and years and, you know, um, traveled out to the minors to see him play. So they're like, oh, college coach is here to see his debut or, you know, so we, we're always thinking about different elements and how we can build out the story to kind of round it out. Sure, you can interview the guy that's getting called up and how cool is this man? But don't you wanna hear from the other people who made that story and made that happen? So we're always thinking about how we can build that out, how we can make it better. And so yeah, a lot of our clips are a little bit longer, um, especially with with interviews and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, for game purposes, we never know when people are gonna cut. It's not just like, all right, we wanna we have a, a pitch here and a hit here. It's like, okay, well, we might might wanna get a cutaway of the opposing pitcher, might wanna get a cutaway of this guy at first base to, you know, build out the story of, you know, or build tension or whatever it is. So we think about a lot of different things when we're filming, um, both games and story. So it's, uh, it's, it's a lot different than just like filming for social, which I also think about too, but it, yeah, it's, it's like two different ways of thinking when you're completely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I also
1: think that you do a great job of getting both sides of it. Cause if you haven't, you should go check out Scott's IG. I'll link it below. But, um, I, I also see all these different B-roll shots that you get. And so, like, let's use a hypothetical, Colton gets called up, okay? You have these interviews, like, obviously, that has to be there, the interviews have to be there. How do you then go about getting good B-roll, but also not making it look cheesy at the same time, and, like, getting shots that don't, like, when they're saying the thing, it's not always, like, popping onto the thi- you know onto the screen. How do you go about getting, you know, these shots that are just so captivating and
2: keep us locked into the show? I'd say a big part of that's the editors. Our editors crush that. They know how to lay things out, and because I I know what you're exactly you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, getting to the field. It shows some getting to the field. Exactly. You know, walking onto the field for the first time. Walking onto the field. So like, um, they do a really good job pacing that stuff out. I think I'm just in my thought process is like, how do I capture his emotion? And I'm always trying to keep an eye out for that because that's what's going to be the most interesting thing, right? Him walking onto the field the first time is like a good thing to get, but like it's good because it's going to bring some kind of emotion about within them. Right. So I'm thinking about those moments and I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about how do I, how do I capture that? And then our editors go back and crush it and mix it all up and, and spit it back out that same week. So. And what year is it of spectrum for you? Two, two. It's
1: year two, two and a half. What has changed the most from the first time you ever stepped onto the diamond to now with your process filming?
2: So much, so much, man, lots to unpack. Lots. I think, um, my, my ability to, to see a story and like, and produce, I think like my producing skills were subpar before starting this journey at Spectrum. But, um, you know, my team has really helped, you know, identify and and point, point out things, Hey, you missed this. Hey, you missed that. Hey, we can do this better. And so now I think like when I look back at when I started versus now, I think my ability to identify a story, know the list of things to get and then get them has improved drastically.
0: On the producer side of stuff, you know, someone might see you and you're like, oh, he just films for Spectrum. So can you kind of break down like what specifically comes with being a producer, I guess in quotes, because maybe that's not your actual title. Um, Does that include like, really just being able to get those interviews of like the other family members or like what else comes into play with the producer side
2: yeah a lot um so our role is documentarian but yeah like we like you said we wear a lot of hats so um we're obviously in charge of filming uh out in the field but yeah like you said we're on the calls each week talking about ideas uh to actually pitch to players so we come up with ideas we have a list of four or five ideas we go To the field uh, get there early and then we start talking to guys so go up to players and start asking them i consider this part of producing first of all you know how it is finding athletes once they're even there is is one of the hardest parts so like they can be you know eating lunch they can be in the weight room or they can be you know getting worked on for for medical whatever it is and so finding a guy is half the battle within the clubhouse or the arena Um, and then once we find them we gotta you know pitch the idea rather quickly talk about elevator pitch you have mm, 10 15 seconds sometimes if you know the guy you can you know build it a little bit more but uh yeah so within that producing realm pitching the idea to the guy getting him on board okay when works for you where works for you for interviews for example uh we don't have a lot of rooms especially on the road to like a dedicated interview room so we're finding opposing locker rooms to to film in and different hallways in the basement of the facility like just we have to figure out all of those details too because we often travel alone. So, um, what else goes into it? I mean, yeah. And then it's writing the interview questions and then setting up the interview
1: and are you guys doing that on the call with the group or is it something that they're like, Oh, Scott, come up with these, you know, five questions or something
2: to mix of both. Yeah. I think our mm-hmm. our PAs will help with that. Sometimes our editors will help with that. Sometimes we'll write them sometimes. And then once we get those questions and the, that story that we want, we sit down the guy, um, so we, we record, do audio, light it. Uh, we're in charge of like I guess directing it, asking the questions, um, and then and then too, it's like things that happen on the fly. Obviously, within this space, things happen you know rather quickly. And so, if you notice something that you need to ask again, like that's kind of being a producer too. Oh, like he just went and hugged his mom. Like let's go ask about that interaction. Or oh, he just you know had this moment that happened right in front of you. You know, got to make sure we ask him about that later too. So kind of like keeping mental notes as things go on. Yeah,
0: I feel like the pre-planning is so important. Like how you ask, not only just what kind of questions you ask, but like how you ask them, it, it changes it. And I feel like um, I've noticed that a lot with how we do the podcast, like the more in depth research we do on a guest, um, it really changes things like, and also going off of interviews, can you maybe give some advice on how to like, better produce an interview in the sense of like lighting and, and camera angles and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff? Because making an interview look good, I feel like you see a lot of interviews and they look really shitty. Do you have <laughs> oh, any yeah. tips on making interviews look great, especially when you're not maybe in such a controlled environment
2: being on the road so much? Absolutely. Um, I do want to talk about one thing that you mentioned, though, about doing your research beforehand. This is one thing that's really changed for me is, is learning how to conduct an interview and ask questions. And I think the biggest thing when, when conducting an interview is knowing what you want them to say already, knowing their whole story and knowing what you want them to say, and then phrasing it to get that out of them. And if they don't say that asking them again, and if they don't say it again, even mentioning, Hey, if you're comfortable, I know you've, you've had this quote before, or I I know that you have felt this way before. Could you talk about that more in more depth? So, I think doing your research and going in fully prepared and having all the details laid out and knowing exactly how you want the story to, to unfold is the best way to conduct an interview because that's how you're going to get the most out. And I mean, yeah, you can go in blind and be like, I'm going to learn as I'm asking the questions, (laughs) which happens sometimes to be fair. But if you really want, you know, your, your piece to come out full and, with, you know, all the points that you, you want to get across, having all of that information in front it's of you. It's almost like storyboarding through questions. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Because yeah. Like, like in the doc space, you can't plan for everything because totally. stuff is going to come up. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, if you want to have a, a base of a story, um, kind of having an idea in your head beforehand is, is the best way to do it.
1: And what do you guys bring to the games? I know that the spectrum boys, you guys all shoot on FX nines. Yes. What other gear though is essential for like a, this run and gun docu styles, uh,
2: filmmaking. Um, it's a good question. Uh, basically, so we run on a 24 to 70, have a few batteries. I got my, my shoulder rig, always have like a stick mic with me, a top light, and my little fanny pack. Uh, fanny, fanny pack's pack.
1: pretty cute, I will say. It's I, super cute. I couldn't catch me in it, but. <laughs> I've never I, seen you in one. I am a crossbody fanny kind of guy. I, that's what I was saying. But that's only for that cord that I have to bring with me. I would not wear it if I had to, if I could choose. Do you guys have to wear vests? <laughs> Fuck Lakers. those vests. Lakers we do, <laughs> <laughs> Lakers we do. got I hate those vests. <laughs> They're not cool. I hate the vests that every arena. I will say. We should microchip ours, ours and then we'll be set. <laughs> so then it just like auto, like we scan, we go on the. He's cord. got a vest. He's like, got an brrrm. internal vest. Like he's good. Like and then we can look way cooler without way the cooler. vest. I on. will say
2: though, our vests have pockets, which. The vests of the great.
1: Lakers are the best vests in the NBA, and I stand on that hill. <laughs> I, I I will agree. <laughs> we with got that. a little pocket you can throw the lenses in. That's a great lens pocket. Yeah, it is Battery a great pocket. It is it, at least, and sometimes if you're lucky, you'll be you know shooting at halftime, and then I'll, I'll feel some popcorn from the last guy okay. that had the Dude, vest, and I'm like oh, some M and M's. Wait, you don't have your own vest? No, we we switch, but we. Oh my god! we usually got... get the same numbers every time because we're very superstitious, so we're always rocking for the most part the same number vest. But then if there's a Clipper game. Oh no, they wouldn't, they wouldn't rock them. So I don't know how, the, how the hell he's does so popcorn f- get, Someone just putting popcorn. The guy before, <laughs> me. Like, a, putting, yeah. Yeah. he's just always hooking you up with yeah. snacks.
0: <laughs> yeah, That's hey, hey, snack a little,
2: boy.
1: little M&Ms in there. I'm like, oh shit. So wait, are you, I'm, do you only have
0: 24 to 70?
2: No, so oh, okay. 100 to 400. And then we have a set of primes. Oh, and 70 to 200. And then we have a set of primes at 24, 35, 50, 85, 1-4. But we kind of split those up between the three of us shooters. So is there I'm
1: always a, three people at the game, at the Dodger game?
2: usually one oh, okay one okay. person shooting sometimes there's two of us like one person producing and then one person shoots but it's usually just one person oh, so you're shooting.
1: saying on the whole team that'll shoot lakers as well those are all the glasses glass that's available
2: all the glass yeah we all have a 24 to 70 we all have a 104 we all have a seventy two hundred. and then there's the, between those four primes we split them up
1: what do you find leaves your camera the least
2: i mean 24 to 70 is only 90 percent of the time um well, if you don't count game footage and then interviews are up. So back to your question circling back to that. Yeah. Um, if I'm in a shitty room, I throw a prime on that's number one. Um, and then I always try to shoot into a corner to add depth, at least see the corner of the room. So I'm not shooting against just a flat wall. I try to stay away from that just to at least add something. It's a great tip dimensional. Um, and then we bring like a, a one by one. And so I'll try to like, and oftentimes it's like, oh, you're free to do the interview. Like, are you free right now? And so I've learned that like, we try to set up beforehand as much as we can, but like sometimes you can't. And so you're running with your tripod and your FX nine, your audio gear, and then a light panel. And like, and like, you're like running down the hallway trying to get to a room. And so it's not like you don't spend an hour or more setting up like this beautiful interview. It's like, I have 30 seconds in Clayton Kershaw's walking in here. So you gotta be really careful about your, your setups and, and quick. So. Shoot into a corner, light it. Try to get some shadow. Try to get a hair light, um, and then use depth of field to your advantage.
0: Are you guys shooting uh, S log three?
2: S log three, yeah.
1: Nice. And do you pull, or do you do auto, or do you kind of do like a, a hybrid? It's a
2: hybrid for me. Yeah, yeah. I'd say um, with with Sony and really just technology, um, with camera technology going, you know, that it's come so far. And so with, with sit down interviews, if I can just track a guy's eye. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it on audio so, unless it's going to yeah. bounce back and forth. I notice it in a bad lighting situation, um, but I'm not scared to use auto to my advantage, especially oh, yeah. while I'm like asking questions. I have to direct the interview. I'm also monitoring audio. Yep. So to to have auto on my side, to not like worry about him, like the micro adjustments yeah. in one four back and forth.
0: And Sony's also just They're got amazing the amazing at that. Audit. They're so good. So, okay. When you're filming the game, right? You have the story that you're covering for that week. So, I guess when I originally thought about w- how you would go about shooting the game, I'm thinking you're kind of just shooting it how Braden's shooting it, where it's like, I'm trying to capture the highlights. Are you actually going about it where you're like, I'm focusing on that player or that story. So like, I don't really care if Clayton Kershaw's on the mound this this week because I'm not focusing on his story.
2: That happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we try to be smart. I mean, obviously the, there's 162 162- regular season yeah. games, so we try not to get burned out. So if there's a, a stretch or a series or a few games where it's like, okay, we we have our focus on this guy. This guy's not in the lineup, you know, this week or, or the next day or two, or whatever it is, we we like will try not to film as much. Or we'll be like, okay, Colton Wong. Perfect example. He didn't start in Seattle until I think the third game. So the first two games, I'm like ready for a pinch hit at bat. Or if he gets like, you know, comes in to, to run or something. But or get subbed in on defense later in the game. So I'm like ready for that. But, you know, the beginning of the game might not matter as much. And so we try to be smart about, about filming in our, in our you know, energy in that. But yeah, I mean, but then sometimes too, you never know what's going to happen in a game. And then sometimes like they went, oh, hey, remember that game, you know, in June. Now we want to highlight this guy. Did anyone get any footage of that? And they go back and it was like, me filming or someone else filming, and they're like, no, nope, didn't film anything. So like, you never know when when stuff's gonna, you know, come up and guys get hurt. That could be like their last game. That that could be a thing for any player and any athlete. Um, so you just never know when when the last time you know a guy might be going onto the field. And so I guess that's why we're called documentarians because we're just documenting as much as we can. But yes, we try to save energy on
0: and going off of the docu style stuff. I noticed that a lot of it, like when you're shooting not the games, it's very like run and gun, not super cinematic. Then when it cuts the game footage, it's more cinematic. And then there's also shots that are like super slow-mo. Are you shooting everything in the game at 120 frames a second? Or are you going back and forth between 24,
1: 60, 120? People, People also always want to know, like, how do you pick? how do you decide what's living in 120 what's living in 24 what's living in 60.
2: and this is where i think like we differ a lot between like social and and like docu kind of stuff my game footage 95 maybe even 98 percent of it is in 24. so i wish it could be in 20. it's almost all 24. um eyes and then so in-game footage if it's a big moment like Colton Wong's at-bat, for example, um, his first at-bat back in Seattle. That's probably 60 frames. Freddie Freeman returns to Atlanta, even bigger moment. That's 120. Pre-game stuff, 120, 60, 24 doesn't really matter. In-game, I'm keeping it almost all at 24 just because the pace of the edit, and I've learned this with our show specifically, it keeps it, it, keeps it going. And... 48 and 60 frames can slow it down, um, unless it's like a big moment that, that needs to have it, you know, a crucial run is on third base. They could, you know, have a, I was, I was going to say a walk-off, but in a walk-off we're going to go back to 24 because the Sony FX9 captures audio in 24 and doesn't in 60 and 120. That's great. Great for the camera. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a bulk of it is in 24, I would say.
0: That's so surprising because I just automatically assume I don't shoot sports. I'm like I'd be ripping sixty or 120, like most of the time. So it's really cool to hear you say that you're shooting 24 it, most of the time. It
1: also looks way different though. Totally, when
2: you leave 60 fast, it looks horrible. Mm. You know what I mean? Well, exactly. That's why like we we stay away from that. And so mm-hmm. we aren't big on like speed ramps or like you know that kind of stuff uh, in in our specific edit. I have nothing against them. I like doing them. And there's times where like I'm pulling clips and I like post stuff on my own social and I'm like, well, I can't do much of this because it's all in 24. But that's okay because it's like pushed me to be creative within what I have. Um, and so I think, yeah, shooting in 24 is just like what our our show has. But it is tempting. There's lots of yeah. times where I'm like, and you know, I, I can be selfish sometimes. And I see like a cool moment and I'll switch to 60 real quick and try to you know, pick something off. But for the most part, it's 24.
1: I I got a question from a from a listener. This is Ike Gordon 13. He asks. How do you keep content fresh with the length of a baseball season?
2: Incredible question, Ike. Scott's still trying to work through that. <laughs> <laughs> Ike, if you have any answers for me. Give us a call. Please let me know, yeah, call in now. Um, I think that's where like, and this is why I got into everything, is like I'm just curious. So I, and it, I think like for me and my, the way my brain works is like staying away from trends has helped me because it's just like, okay, what is interesting to me right now and what like happens in my brain when I film and like how do I wanna put something into a timeline? And, like And like everyone has their own interests and I think like being different and trying to do different things is what keeps things fun and creative. So put on a different lens. I think lens choice, I think you've talked about this before. Uh, if you're ever in like a creative rut, a creative LUT. <laughs> Get a creative LUT. Get a creative LUT. <laughs> And then after you get out of your creative rut, get <laughs> a new lens. <laughs> Thanks, Ike. That, does, that, does that answer your question? Um, but like switching lenses can be a, a huge thing. Like I would probably never go out onto the field pregame with my one to four, but maybe doing that and like maybe bringing like a monopod out there or some sticks out there pregame could completely change the way I film. You know, warm ups for baseball guys
0: or an interview. Or an interview, yeah. You 100 know, to you 400.
2: Have,
0: <laughs> you ever shoot an interview
2: at <laughs> a 400 mil lens? Just compressed. Rent the, the whole hotel out. <laughs> Did in the room next door, <laughs> to. Except, I'm like interviewing from like three miles back. I'm gonna walkie-talkie these questions, okay? <laughs> Three-second pause in between. <laughs> yeah, I mean, try it out. It could, might not give you the best, uh, the best interview, but I think that's a big way for me to kind of just shoot things differently. I, I think that and location. So maybe going inside the dugout and filming stuff or, um, you know, going to a different part of the field and filming something throughout the game, uh, roaming the crowd and filming things throughout the game, throwing on a gimbal. I mean, just do things that you wouldn't usually do. Um, and, and then I think you take all that and then the the other thing is the edit, right? And being creative in the edit, you have a chance to do whatever you want. You don't have to stick to uh, baseball doesn't have to be boring in the edit right you can make it interesting it is a boring game i will say that but you can there's still cool things that happen and you can still make it interesting in the edit so.
1: and, and i think that that that's where i've been so drawn to the the new work that you've been putting out over these last like two these last two years That i'm just like you soak me into this this beautiful baseball piece and i'm like holy shit! i didn't even know there was like four people this game and it's just you it's amazing like i see all these different crazy angles that you're getting and the perspective is changing. It's not all, it doesn't all look like it was on a a wide GoPro or something. You're getting like these tight zooms and and you're getting the pitcher and the batter and all the color of the game, the crowd. It's, you got, you got to go watch Scott's videos is what I'm trying to tell you. (laughs) Do you have to, do you have to
0: like remind yourself that you're getting to shoot sports at the highest level, especially during a 162 game season. I I got really burnt out doing music and I found myself having to like really remind myself that I'm getting to shoot like a huge musical act every single weekend. You know, Brain's getting to shoot the Lakers, you're getting to shoot the Lakers and the Dodgers. Like there's times where I feel like you could be either in a creative rut or be like, damn, like another freaking game. I've done this so many times.
2: You could also be in a creative rut too. True. <laughs> and that's the worst place to be. <laughs> it is, <laughs> it's a dark place. <laughs> yes, I think um, daily is, is a, I try to remind myself of that daily. I think it can be really easy to, which sounds so dumb to to think, like to say out loud, you're like, how do, how do you get bitter about things or how do you get annoyed when you're standing on the field at Dodger Stadium, or if you're you know standing on the court at you know Crypto.com, formerly known as Staple Center, R. I. Um, RIP. Uh, but like I think it's just that perspective thing of like knowing what you, if you've had jobs in the past, knowing that you could be sitting in an office or you could be doing something different, um, and and also knowing that there's so many people that would kill to have the opportunity that you have, and also knowing that like it's just a really rare thing to get a chance to be in where you are. So I think it's perspective and it's a really important to to check yourself i think daily and make sure that you are grateful for being where you are because hardly anyone we've talked talked about this before hardly anyone gets a chance to do what we do let alone go into locker rooms and you know get to know these guys personally and so it's something you can't take for granted and and if you don't think about that for a long time you can, you can get bitter but I found that like keeping myself in check is is the best way to do that. And you gotta do that daily. Yeah. This
1: is uh one more from Rock Nation. Okay. This is from Andrea underscore Volpini. She asks, What do you eat before a gig? Are you a light meal kind of person or a nutritious big feast? They're feeding you good over at Dodger Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you putting down Dodger Dogs?
2: I wanna I'm gonna out the Dodgers for a second. Okay. Oh media food, it's not it. Could really? be better? Lakers got the good food. And it's free. Yeah. It- Oh, you have to
1: pay for it?
2: 15 bucks.
1: No way. Swear to God. What? We got to get that fixed.
2: I know. So I just go in there and sometimes I just eat ice cream <laughs> and chips because it's free. So, so so. to answer your question, Andrea. Um, <laughs> you meal and You bring some Tupperware? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Some yeah. chicken brown rice I, and broccoli? I, I bring <laughs> Tupperware to fill up the ice cream and bring it home. You <laughs> bring it, it home. That's my meal Freezes prep. Freezes yeah, in their freezer. Highway robbery. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I... That's a. don't think i will be talking about my diet on this podcast. <laughs> People want to know. <laughs> <it>. <laughs>
1: Andrea really wants to know if you're if you're prepping or
2: not prepping. Um, if you know someone who wants to prep for me, let me know. Give you a call. Give me a call. Uh, no, to be honest, uh, Chipotle is nice. is a staple. Um, so if you know anyone at Chipotle who wants to hook it up, let me know. But no, Chipotle is a big thing. Um, I'm always carrying fruit snacks. because I'm a type one diabetic. Shout out. So you never know when that low blood sugar is coming. And then they also got some uh, some gummy bears and the Lakers, you know, the toppings nice. for the ice cream, so you can get a, get a get a cup full of those. So I those always nice. see him putting
1: his hand into the
2: thing. It's, yeah, so, weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird.
1: So <laughs> <But But you>, weird. <laughs> touch them all. But you got to experience both because you
0: shoot Lakers and Dodgers. Yeah. So when you get to go shoot the Lakers again, are you like, ah, oh, this free food, man? It feels good to be back.
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's, we got an
2: ice cream machine. I mean, the Dodgers do too. It's it's pretty good. But uh, you guys got the you guys got the slushy or
1: the. Oh the lemonade slushy machine. The, the frozen the, lemonade fro- machine. It's it hits different. When you go it's in there you're like, "Oh my god, and at halftime." And low key uncrustables. I put you onto the Uncrustables, a, st- a <laughs> staple. Yeah, they didn't. They I didn't know that they had Uncrustables. I've been sneaking them for them ever since. Well, I just tried Uncrustables
0: for the first time like a couple months ago at the beach this summer with Brayden, and they're pretty life changing. They're
1: great. Yeah, yeah, they they really do change. They're the best production food. It's, yeah, is an Uncrustable, yeah. dude. If you uh, if you're getting your team together and you got to shoot, bring them some Uncrustables. They'll be fired up. Pop those in your vest this year. Uh-oh. I'm just saying. Halftime rolls Might around. Leave one for the next. Person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <Bro>. <laughs> That's so funny. Brayden must have been here (laughs) again Scott so back to where we were talking about being down on the field and being grateful for this job that we we get to cover these amazing sports teams on a on a nightly basis you were doing something though before you came out to LA and what did that what did that look like?
2: Yeah, so I graduated from University of Washington, 2016. We're going to kick your ass here in a few days. <laughs> we'll and see I about that. I cannot
1: wait for that game. Put some money down. I forgot. $20 oh. right now. I know it's wow. a little steep. Oh, dude, this is going to feel so sweet as a pod clip. Dubs down. Oh, this is going to be a great pod clip. I can't wait. It's
2: going to let you keep talking.
1: <laughs> we'll see. We even got those new uniforms specifically okay. to be just running them up all day long. All right. What continue. are you guys ranked? seven i think there's seven we're eight so it's like oh. you know kind of going my to money's this. on you that's, baby that's interesting t- bro
0: anytime oregon goes down it's a good fucking day
2: my man we'll see bro i'm <laughs> gonna i'm gonna put no incrustables in your pocket <laughs> back to the early days <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh all right bring it back went to university of washington 2016 studied psychology of all things um and then i from there this is where the journey starts to get weird and it continues to stay weird for the whole time. So I finished my degree in 2016. I went into medical sales. I sold surgical lights and surgical tables to hospitals around the whole state of Washington. Holy crap. And so, um, during that time I realized that I did not enjoy what I was doing and I bought my first camera. So I bought the a 6,000. I actually put a bid on it in eBay and I was hoping I didn't win because I didn't have the money <laughs> so and I won. And so I was like, okay, I guess I'm gonna go broke buying this camera. So I bought the camera and I was in love with it. And so everywhere I drove, I would like stop on the side of the road and take photos and take videos. And then on these drives, I would listen to YouTube videos and podcasts on how to how to use a camera. And so I'd go on these six hour drives to Eastern Washington or four hour drives to the coast and up and down the coast. And I just put on a podcast and like, or type into YouTube, like, why does this video suck? And like find a video and like make a playlist and like listen to them. So that's how I learned how to, how to use a camera at first. And then I got into, um, a friend asked me to film a wedding for her, and I was like, nope, too much pressure. And she's like, you're gonna do it. And I'm like, nope, she's like, you're gonna do it. And I was like, fine, I'll do it. So I did it and um, learned a lot. And shortly after that, I decided to quit my medical sales job My boss was like, what are you going to do next? And I was like, I'm going to do wedding videos. (laughs) I had three booked when I quit my job. So I was terrified. And were you paying rent at a place? Absolutely. I had enough to pay for like one and a half months of rent, but I was like, I'm going to do it. I was 20, almost 24. And uh, I ended up filming like 18 weddings that summer. So I like made it work, but. That was like how I learned how to use a, a camera. So I didn't really start filming until like 2017. You and had
0: then, you had three weddings booked though. How do you go from having yeah. three quitting your job to now booking 18?
2: It's a great question. Um, Thank I you. think people found out that I did it for really cheap and I didn't know <laughs> oh. what the market was. <laughs> so I was actually talking to Ed about this at the time. He's like, you're charging what? And I was like, I told bucks. him. And he was, like, yeah, $13. <laughs> an Uncrustable? Yeah, exactly. An uncrustable. At least two, yeah, I would charge two Uncrustables. And uh, so people, word got around, and I, I had a lot of friends, a lot of my friends got married early, so they would just kind of toss me out to their friends. And when I told them my rate, I should have known better, but I didn't know anything about business. So I was like, oh, they, they're just saying yes. And I'm like making money. And I had no idea, I had no concept of how to charge for you know a gig or a wedding, so. Yeah, I started, I put out rates really cheap and just did a bunch. And that's where I learned how to yeah use a camera. And that was 2017. And then my buddy, Taiki, shout out Taiki, he saw one of my wedding videos and then he brought me on to his baseball media company, worked there for about a year and a half. And then we moved to LA in 2020. With Taiki? With Taiki, we lived together in Santa Monica, actually like a mile down the road, which is crazy. Um, yeah. So we lived together and then we made a video that my now co saw and was like, Hey, we just had a guy quit. Like, would you be down to apply for this job? And just DM'd like, you? Uh, he actually went about it in a very proper way. He called Taiki and my other boss and asked if it was okay to talk to me. They said, sure. So he called me and talked about the job. So yeah, but, um, he just saw a video that had gone online and then, um, I applied for the job and here we are.
1: Post so. your damn work, dude. That yeah. is the that is like insane. Yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, sh- yeah, really. Share Post your, work. your
1: freaking work. You really
0: never know who's going to be seeing your stuff. So you go in to get interviewed, right? For, or, do or do you just job? get or do you just kind of get handed the yeah, job? Yeah,
2: I mean, I I do like three interviews, yeah. Yeah. And
0: so what are some of these questions are asking you? Are they asking you about your ability to like produce you know what I'm saying? Like how you were talking, like there's so much more that goes into the job as opposed to just being like, yo, I can chef this six this sick edit.
1: Right, right. I it, mean for this job okay. Oh, no, and it's also equally important that like you like you could hang out with them, with the people that you interview, you know? And I don't think enough people talk about that, that it it for sure matters how good your work is, but it also matters if they can hang out with you, and if you're going to ask Clayton Kershaw for a photo, or if you're just going to be super professional, get your job done, and make really cool stuff, and are they down to get some ice cream with you, yeah. or eat an Uncrustable with exactly, you? Exactly, exactly.
2: That's that's the first question that mm-hmm. they actually asked. Yeah, Was Uncrustable? Or ice How many cream? do you crush? <laughs> and are you going to steal your ice cream from the Dodgers clubhouse? <laughs> yes, and yes.
1: And they're like, and they're great. <laughs> bingo, we got our guy.
2: <laughs> so I think. Um, well, that, that was the thing is up to that point, I'd done a little bit of producing, but not to the extent that this job requires. And so I was upfront and honest about that. They asked about, you know, my, my shooting background, how long I've been doing it. Um, my, you know, what I've shot in the past, luckily they've, they had seen some of my work, um, previously, but it, the portfolio wasn't huge. So I kind of had to sell myself a little bit. My, my now coworker helped sell me on it too. But, um, yeah, I think, I think, just being honest about what your skill set is is a big thing too, and not trying to do too much. And I think like you were saying, is just showing that you can be a normal person, be a professional and not be weird about being around these guys. Um, I'm not I'm not even like the biggest sports fan, which is ironic, because I'm like, there's a billion other people that would enjoy this job so much more than me. But um, I think I, you know, proved myself that I could be normal around these guys who um, were, professionals and that's what we are supposed to be too and be professionals we're essentially at the you know highest level kind of in the in the sports world that you can go with a camera um at least for like these these teams and so we're we're supposed to be professionals too and so we got to go about our business the right way you know and, and make sure that we're treating these guys with obviously respect but not you know not weirding them out not being weird not not yeah not crossing any lines you know so that's a, that's a big thing. And so I think that's part of, I think what helped sell me for the job too.
1: When, when you originally came out to LA though, was there any moment of struggle in this journey in the sense of like your clients, you weren't getting work with clients or just, you know, you had your buddy Tyke, you had one friend that was down here, but you left your family and like, you left a lot of your buddies up in Seattle. What was kind of going through
2: your mind when you did make the jump to come out here with a friend? I terrified. I mean, I, I don't think I'd ever even been to LA before I moved down here. <laughs> I had gone through like once and then I'd been to like Disneyland before, but like I hadn't spent, uh, a concentrated amount of time in in the city. So it was scary. Um, but I decided if I wasn't going to take the jump then, then like, when would I, and I was ready for a change. So I decided to go for it, but, um, yeah, you know, I, leaving family is never easy. And then the uncertainty of a new city and not knowing what's next is is always scary and not knowing career-wise what's gonna happen or pan out is is terrifying but i think just trusting yourself and trusting that the hard work will pay off is is what you kind of have to lean on when you make that make that kind of jump
1: yeah yeah and i i also think that you know you you came out here and grinded dude you were doing all kinds of different stuff right you weren't it wasn't just Weddings
2: you're filming anything and everything, right? Well, not, I mean, it was mostly just like the stuff with the baseball media company with, um, momentum at the time. So, but that did take up a, a ton of time and I like did a little bit of freelance stuff here and there. And it was a mix of weddings that weren't just in California, but also in Seattle and some other places. So, um, but yeah, saying yes to things. And I had a friend who would bring me out to set sometime so I could see what that was like. And just saying yes to different experiences out here. Um, you probably won't get paid and that's okay. And if you do, then that's awesome. But just saying yes to things that come up and just even just being around set, holding up a light for someone, holding up a flag, just whatever you gotta do to like, just see what else is out there in the the city is super important.
0: You also brought up how you were shooting baseball content prior to getting this spectrum job. Mm How important do you think is like proof of concept? Like, do you think they saw that you were able to do baseball specific stuff and be like, okay, I know that he can do that for them. He can probably do it for us.
2: I think it plays a role, but I think if you go back to to what Taiki saw, I think he saw that I could tell a story uh, even though it's through a wedding. And so I think being able to have a grasp on like your editing skills and knowing how to cut something up and make things interesting, a lot of weddings are the same. So how can you make a wedding video feel emotional? And, you know, so like, I think it's a good challenge to have different projects, whatever you're doing, have it hit home for someone for, you know, to, to tell a story. And so I think he saw that potential in me. And so I think this spectrum job, kind of the same thing. They saw this potential in me to tell longer form stories. I hadn't told anything longer than six, seven minute story before. And so, I think they just kind of took a chance and were willing to kind of groom me. But um, yeah, I think proof of concept stuff is important though too. And going out and being creative, cause that's where you get a chance to do your own thing and show your own creativity, especially in the edit. But um, yeah, I, I do think that's super important.
0: I wanna take it back also to the stuff that you've been posting on your Instagram, your personal yeah. content, cause some of it is like super dope. Thank you. The frames that you're posting, the photos, are those photos you're taking or are those frames from videos you shot?
2: Depends on how far back you go. Um, most of the recent stuff are just actual photos from my X 100. So they're actually just still photos. If you go back far enough down there somewhere, I used to do like these split things of the three images on top of each other whatever. And those were just like still frames from my FX nine. So I'll go through my FX nine clips, stop it, screen grab, and then grade it. So, both. And I, I do like the edits of the screen grabs themselves too because I love motion blur. I love that you can tell the difference between a video frame and a photo, and I think you you capture different things when you're doing both photo and video. So, um and also too like I think with photo it's important to find things that keep you creative. That X100 that I carry around, it's like silly, but it keeps me thinking differently. And it keeps me. So Ike, back to your question, Ike. Um, having having a camera on me has been like, it's been able to keep me fresh, keep me seeing things differently because I'll frame things differently in a photo than I might would in a in a video. So practicing composition, practicing different lighting techniques with natural light out there. I think all that stuff plays into like staying fresh, but. Yeah. A lot of them are, are photos from my Fuji. Do
1: you like shooting daytime or in the arena in that controlled environment better
2: the, shooting with the lights in, 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 a basketball arena is so fun. Oh, it's so fun. It's so the fun. Fires. It's, it's, it's hard to beat that. I think there are some stadiums in baseball though, that messing with like some, some natural light and backlighting people is really cool too. So. Which to are be,
0: your favorites? It's a good question. Like, does one come to mind where you're, like...
2: San Diego. um, I've also gotten some... I don't think this is my favorite, but um, there were some shots that I got. Actually, speaking of which, you can't get this in arena. Um, I can get it it in general. I
1: could get it in an arena.
2: Rain? Make it rain in the arena. You won't. I'll get a rain machine. Let's do it. LeBron's like, what? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Who the fuck did this? There was a game in D.C. It always rains in D.C. And... Shooting rain in baseball games is like baseball's already already kind of like I don't know, people call it romantic, but I think like it can it can feel really emotional, like when you add the rain element to it. So that's something you really can't get in, in arenas or stadiums. So when it's raining, are you covered? Are you just Personally, not usually. But I will take my my rain gear is is a mix of <laughs> either a towel from the dugout, a garbage bag that I find in the photo room, or if I'm really prepared, the rain gear that I usually don't bring with myself. But it's it's usually it's usually the first one, a towel. Like if it's one of those like sweat towels. You just throw it over. I ask for the trainer to give me a towel, and I just throw it on my camera, and I call, call it a day.
1: Bada bing, bada bing. Exactly. Weather, don't overthink it. Weather seal. Don't
0: overthink it, people. Yeah, that's funny. Where do you draw your inspiration from, though? Like, I was looking at some of your work, and even though there, you said there's a difference between your photography and the video and you'd frame up a photo different than you would f- uh, frame up a, a frame from a video, your video frames still look like photos. And I think that's, that's like the, the telltale sign of like a good cinematographer. So like where do you draw your inspiration from? Do you feel like you have a natural eye? Do you feel like you can teach an eye?
2: a lot of good questions, man. Um Sorry, I didn't mean to... no, no, this is good. I I'm gonna out myself here and say that I've never been like a big movie watcher or TV Same. watcher, Same. which is super ironic because people are like, oh, you work with a camera every day. So I've been trying to get more into films and whatnot. So I like it's not necessarily from pulling inspiration from films. Um I don't know if I have a good answer for where I pull inspiration from. I think I don't think it's from social media either because I think, um, a lot of it just comes from like my, my curiosity of like what can I create within the restrictions that I have? My restrictions being a baseball game. Um, and also too, like I'm not going out there and shooting for social media. So it's tough too. Like I, there's a lot of things that I want to do, but I'm shooting for the show. Oh, my diabetes is going oh, off. Sorry.
1: Do you, do it's we, positive. do we need to get you <laughs> something?
2: No. Also, if there are any diabetics who are in the film world, let me know. Yeah. I, I know one. I know one diabetic. There's more out there for sure. Well, let's find them. Yeah, we need to they unite. all listen to this podcast. Yeah, so they're going to comment. <laughs> Every diabetic filmmaker listens <laughs> <No>. to Five Hundred Five. <laughs> Love that. Um, I think my inspiration just comes from like this this curiosity I have of like what can I create within what I have, and like I was saying, I don't get to like only shoot for social media. So a lot of the clips that I do have are just like for the show. And so I was like, Oh, how can I like repurpose these to make something creative? So I don't, I don't know if I know where my inspiration comes from. And I do think you can teach an eye. I do think that there are things you can learn, composition, lighting, uh, being on top of your camera settings. Um, I think those things like really help. I, the biggest thing that I think can immediately help someone, is just putting something in the foreground. I think that's a huge, a huge thing that helps give perspective to an image or to um, to a video and it helps provide depth. And I think a lot of people just want to get a clean shot which that has its time and place for sure. But I think providing some perspective depending on the story you're telling, putting something in front of yourself and the subject is a way to, to add, immediately add some interest to what you do. So I, I try to do that as much as I can
0: so yeah and going off of how cool your images look your colors are pretty amazing and so um i'm dustin nichols asks why them colors such butter so i wanted you to put us on game why does your stuff look so good
2: why them colors such butter that is what we're looking for yeah yeah yeah. precisely nicholas (laughs) dustin 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 nicholas dustin nicholas I want to be, I want to be his friend. That sounds like a great question. That That's his phrase so well. Uh, I appreciate that. I think I'm going to start from like kind of the, the origins of like, I think when I first started doing photography and video, I wanted to have a style so bad and it took me probably four years to figure that out. And it's still evolving like daily, even throughout the season it's evolved. But, um, it takes a long time to develop your own personal style and it goes back to like me not wanting to replicate things that I've already seen, even though a lot of inspiration that I have comes from things that I've seen, whether it's, you know, conscious or subconscious. So, um, I think being open to just trying new things is, is a big thing, but I think now my, a lot of my colors come from a, a film type look. So I've just researched a lot of like aspects of what goes into film and, the characteristics that go into film, and then I find ways to recreate that in Lightroom, and then for DaVinci, I use. I haven't told anyone this. You don't have to tell them. I don't do. Want. Oh. I don't care. Oh okay. Because my thing is like I, if like someone steals my job just because of like one secret that I give away, like how good am I? You know, like I feel like I should be more than just like one secret that I have, and if like I can't be differentiated just because of like one, one thing, then. I feel like it should be anyone's you know game to to take on the project or or the client. So, um Tom Bowles has this awesome power grade in DaVinci called CinePrint. I don't know if you guys have heard of it or not. No. I don't know. No. Check it out. It costs, I, it costs some money, but
0: I just downloaded uh DaVinci. Oh. And I'm Perfect. like like just playing around with it like a couple days ago and the reason I bought it Oh, this is fun. So the A1 does not have dual native ISO at 12,800. Learned that the hard way. I filmed a music video at 12,800. Super grainy. Um, and so I like was looking at this footage and I'm telling Brayden, I'm like, dude, I think I'm fucked. Like, <laughs> like this footage does not look good. And then I hit up my buddy Spencer and I was like, do you know of any good like denoise noise plugins or whatever He's like dude DaVinci has the best so I was messing around with it and it's saving my footage um but I know that you like you hear about DaVinci, and you hear that like
1: the is it colors better? is it better than like than premiere
2: it's not even close
1: wow oh you're like way better way better
2: and so are you only in da Vinci now I I edit so I'm slowly transition transitioning my edits to da Vinci God. Like, be, just because it's a little bit more convenient, but I, I mainly edit in Premiere right now. And then I'll export in a ProRes 4444 4, 4, 4, or Quad4. 4, and then I'll open that back up in DaVinci and then use the Auto Scene Detect to cut it all up. And then I'll go and grade each clip. And then I'll export that again. And then that's what I'll post. It's a lot of steps. It is, but I enjoy it. And it's part of like my creative process. Like I, For me, like just staying in Premiere and then coloring in Premiere, if I know it could be different or better, then like, it's not worth it for me. So unless I'm inspired to like do something, I'm not gonna do it. And so for me, the only way I stay inspired is like, oh, I wanna color in Da Vinci. And so that's just my workflow now.
1: And your sound design is through the roof. It's next level. Yeah.
2: Thank you. I will say um, a big help has been the B Figgy Essentials. Thank God.
0: Link down in the description. Link below.
2: Yes, Scott, thank you. If you haven't gotten the B Figgy Essentials (laughs) sound design pack, which is incredibly affordable. Scott was with me when I was making it. I, yeah. I gave
1: Scott the beta pack. Like he, I do, he, he tested it for me and was like giving me feedback on what I should get. And yeah, there's thank, no better thank you. word than essential for thank this. Thank you, dude. Thank if you. You don't have it. You're missing out.
2: Okay. But if I you're a sports creator. You need to get it. How many more should I do?
1: One more, one more would be great. And I'll slip you the hundred under the table after the pod. <laughs> um, what do you think about though? Like, you know, let's just use, let's just use a Lakers clip. For example, let's say LeBron breakaway dunk hammer okay how do you go about building out the dimension that it's going to live in down below what do you start with because there's there's a million and everyone has like downloaded uh, you know all these packs or whatever and you've obviously have an amazing sound effect that's linked down below to pull from, and so Absolutely. how do you how do we go
2: about building out this landscape? Practically
0: does the work for you. Yeah, he <laughs> really.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a, you know he has a plugin where you literally just type in the sound you yeah. want, uh-huh. and it just drops it on the timeline. Boom. You type in LeBron. Yeah, and it, the whole you. video is done. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Next question, I guess. <laughs> um, I think so. The the very first thing I do is I right click and I add like thirty extra audio layers because there's nothing worse than like trying to add another layer and like you have to like go to the bottom and then like. Whatever, so add a bunch of audio layers. You have this blank canvas. I didn't even know you could do that. I thought to add another audio layer, you had to drag the
0: audio clip down. (laughs) I'm learning stuff every day, man. man. Thank God
1: you have this podcast to learn from.
2: And this is why you tune in, folks. Dude, I, 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 uh, I focus on photos, so. <laughs> oh, that's fair, that's fair, that's fair. Check out, you get a, you I'm get a free fucking pass. fucking up music
0: videos left and right over here. Yeah. The, the music,
2: music is, the is music. noisy and doesn't have yeah. sound design? Jeez. Yeah,
0: dude, the, well, the music video doesn't need sound design, you know, it's just a song. It's just, one, it's audio just track. one audio track. Yes, yeah,
2: that's fair. So I guess you really don't need much more than should that I it already some, comes yeah. with should i add some like,
1: sports effects like. like some fucking diving yeah, i noticed the mix is a little off <laughs> is
2: that a guy dunking in the background <laughs> crowd noise <laughs> <sighs> did i get some floor squeaks um i think yeah adding a bunch of uh, a bunch of open tracks is the first step and then um i don't know is, is there an example I, can I pull up an example yeah I pull up that, an like, example I'll, then i'll like walk you through how i built it out oh yeah yeah that's great um, yeah, have it on your phone well, I have, um, I'm gonna, I posted my time, my, my. Oh, your timeline. Oh, okay. Timelines yes. on my IG. This'll be fun. We can throw up like the screen record. Yeah. Which you can follow me if you want yeah. to. This is uh, I love seeing
1: the, one of my favorite things is seeing the video with the sound underneath it, yeah. it fires me up.
2: <laughs> this edit I did for my website and it was just visuals but I liked all the shots that I had. So I had an idea to, to go in and do sound design on it. So I have this post of it's the SFX breakdown for this video. So it's this post of the video on top and the timeline below you swipe for only the Nat sounds and then it shows only the SFX, then NAT or the Nat sounds with the SFX and then it's all of it together with no visuals. So, uh, my whole thing is like, how can I create an experience with just sound, right? Cause it's really so, so important and it really can elevate, your videos your videos can look really amateur but if you have really good sound it can it can make it look extremely professional so what do and I start it, with and
0: the opposite if you have really like great looking video but the sound is terrible it's almost like impossible to watch because you're so distracted by how bad the sound sounds
2: people underestimate exactly people underestimate like how much sound yeah. can can influence you and like i know a lot of people watch videos on silent with you know subtitles and whatnot but you have to oh. pretend like everyone's watching it with sound because yeah, I mean, if you have a good visual and, and really bad sound yeah. or just bad sound design in general, like it's just not going to look good or sound good or be a good experience for anyone. So I don't know. I try to, I, I guess for, with this video, I go through each clip and I I think of what it sounded like in the moment and what it would sound like naturally. And I just try to this is the fun part for me is I try to like mix sounds together to, to create a new sound almost. So like, if you're not using B Figgy's essential sound pack for a dunk, for me, like I've used different things. I've used a diving board sound with like springs or, you know, and you combine that and you reverb it and you slow it down and reverse it, whatever. And you get, you know, you get kind of funky with how you want to create different sounds and then you layer things. So a lot of my stuff is like, Oh, that sounds cool. Put it on the track adding another layer. Oh, that sounds cool too. Let me, let me toss that underneath. And then like for this start of this video, it's like three, six, nine. I don't know. Like there's like 15 layers here of different sounds, but it sounds, it sounds like one or two different things. Can I see? So yeah. So, and is it
1: mainly Scott oh, wow. like whooshes hits risers? Is it atmospheric sounds or, or yeah. what are you mainly pulling from for say this, this intro sequence? Hits
2: risers whooshes for sure. Um, those are three big things to pull from. And then it's just like, do you have those in uh, Yes, we The have sound effect, lots part? of them. Nice. But for this, it's like, there's a guy, there's a boxer, like, you know, taping his hands and there's, you know, Mookie sliding into second base. So there's dirt and then there's, um, you know, high fives that are happening and ropes. So it's like, what am I seeing in the videos and how can I take that and amplify it? And the reason why I did the last slide of having SFX and natural sounds without a video is like, can you watch this and still know what's happening? And like, that's my goal is to be able to listen to this and know, oh, like that's when like, this guy's going up to bat or that's when this guy's sliding in a second or that's when LeBron's dunking. So I think all of that plays, and that's like my my test. Can I like close my eyes and listen to the edit and and know what's going on in the video and then I'll export it. Like until that point, like something's missing, so. How long does that process
1: normally take? Is that the most time consuming thing that you do or is it color? And where
0: does that live in the editing process? Uh, good, uh, good question.
2: Um, I think color used to be one of the longer things for me, but I think that's, that's sped up. Sound does take a while. I think, honestly, I think the longest part is like structuring the video and pacing it out. I think that's what takes the longest. And then after that, it's probably sound and then color. Sound for me usually comes... If I'm working on a music track, it comes first. Or like after selects i'll like find a music track and then i'll try to build off of the music track if there's no music track which i usually don't really have in my stuff then it comes usually after everything
1: oh you don't normally have a music track
2: no i didn't even a lot of times i, I don't, don't use. That. yeah because sometimes i do and there's videos that have music for sure and less sound design but for this video specifically there's, there's no music just, track just sound and i think i wanted to just say i try to like challenge myself of like can i make this interesting without any like bed so, um, that usually comes after. So I'll like build out a timeline, a structure. And then once I have that set, I'll be like, okay, how can I make this sound cool and how can I make this sound interesting? And so sound usually comes last for me in, in, in this, at least in this edit.
0: That's fun. You know, me and Brayden were joking. You're kind of like Deon Sanders. I mean, you filmed two sports. Yeah, you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, simultaneously, and at a high level, (laughs) at the highest level. Yeah, we just need to get you some shades, (laughs) swap those out with those mirrorless ones, and you be set, dude. It is impressive. Thank you. I never even get you a (laughs) cowboy hat. Call it a day, dude. (laughs) You need to show up to the first Lakers game of this season with a fucking cowboy hat on and those sunglasses. I'll be like. I'll get, dude, I'll, I'll even bring the Ronin. I'll steal his Ronin for the day and I'll get you that 60 butter just cruising in through the fucking gates. You need, you you need a hype video. Yeah, we'll and rent then, you a car too. We could get like, you know, like a Maybach or something. To, that's to hilarious. Out and then I get the vest to, to top it all off. The vest the will vest. complete the fit. <laughs> Dion plus Incrustables. We'll get his number vest, vests and we'll be yeah. sad.
0: That's incredible. But so as someone who films like two sports, what would you say is the main difference between covering a baseball game and a basketball game?
2: Besides the length of the game? The movement. I mean, baseball is so stationary. Um, God,
0: I didn't even think about that.
2: Yeah, it's like you can leave your, your sticks on a, you know, your shot on sticks and like point at the batter for, it could be two minutes, you know, for, for an at bat. I mean, yeah, sure, you're going to punch in and out, get different, you know, frames for each pitch, but it the, the tracking, it's, it's a lot less, it's, you know, a lot less dynamic. You're not having to follow too much. I mean, sometimes, yeah, you can track and try to like follow where the ball goes and whatnot, but for our purposes, we're mainly just staying on on batter, you know, we pick someone and try to stay on them basically. So it's, a, it's very simplified. And then for basketball, obviously it's a lot more movement. There's guys running in and out of frames in front of you, behind them, um, you know, back and forth, quick, fast breaks. So, um, and then you're focusing on different people at different times, so I think it's at first it was very overwhelming trying to figure out how to stay on top of it and how to film everything. But you kind of, you, you figure it out and just follow the ball. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's the rule. You just stay on the ball. And then if you can do that, which makes it, you know, it's, it's easier than it sounds, but um, it, it's, once you, once you learn how to understand the flow of the game, then, then it becomes a little bit more natural, but it's a big difference between filming baseball and, and basketball and they both have their, They're fun things and advantages and disadvantages, but, um, it's hard to, to pass up filming a basketball game. I've never
1: filmed a, like a, I haven't filmed baseball and literally, no, never. I never did. I filmed softball, but with, with baseball specifically, um, basketball to me feels like a dance between us and them and trying to stay out of their way, but also get, you know, get the shots and we're obviously in such a we're in a very close quarter environment. The baseline is so small and there's only very limited space for us to be as well as the other reporters, the other camera people, the other photographers um, with with baseball. What do you feel like the dynamic is with the team? Because there's a lot, I noticed there's a lot less people that get to go where you guys are allowed to go. And at least in basketball, it feels like we're all together. Media is next to me, you know, you got ESPN right next to you, but I, I felt like I saw, you know, you guys were able to get into places that besides the locker room, obviously that like we both can go into, but you know, what is that like for baseball?
2: I will say one of the hardest parts about filming baseball and scariest is that foul balls come at you a lot. And so, um, oh, wow, I didn't even think, think about it. So, right. I've, I try not to be too flinchy, but each pitch, I mean, you got to be, you got to be on it. Like, so there's a lot of times where I'm like filming and I'm, you know, looking through my viewfinder, but then also like one eye is like on the batter, right? You really can't take your eye off of the, the ball in, in baseball because it'll come at you and it'll come at you fast. And a lot of times the, the photo balls don't have nets or screens. And so it's just like, you in the baseball world right in front of you. So that is something that's always, you know, top of mind. I mean, yes, basketball, you have guys that are coming at you at six, eight that are towering over you. I think you got slammed I did. last year, year oh, before God, it hurts so bad play that video real quick. <laughs> and it's like, that is scary for sure. But baseball is also terrifying. I had a ball that line drive drove my tripod the other day. I had a bat that almost hit my head. I mean, there's like things that, things that come at you really quickly really got to be paying attention. You do, you do. So like it it, it might, you know, lull you to sleep sometimes, but you got to be on it. Um, so it's, it's, it's scary, but yeah, I mean the differences between basketball and baseball are, are pretty far apart, but they both are fun for different, different reasons.
1: What is the most favorite part of shooting basketball?
2: Pre-game. Pre game is so fun. Yeah, it's so fun. I, I the Why thing is, is it be, why is it so fun? Because the lights the lighting I love like I love making things look cool as much as I can. And with baseball you're pretty limited. With basketball, it's like it's almost like you're on a set. It feels like. There's there's flamethrowers in the background, there's, you know, lights going, lasers going, there's fog sometimes and you know, there's so many things that you can do and there's so many details you can get. And one thing one big thing I noticed is when I first started shooting basketball is that the guys don't care how close you get. For the most part. You can get pretty damn close to these guys and for the most part they're going to be like, yeah, that's just another camera. Baseball, you get in the wrong guy's face at the wrong time, you are gone for life. Like you it's just they're weird like that. It's just different. Different so, sport, totally different. Exactly. Sport. Like much more su- you say, superstitious sport. Very superstitious, yeah. yeah. So if you say the wrong thing to a baseball player at the wrong time, or you point the camera at them when you shouldn't be, it's like you get dirty looks, you get, you know, it, it's like a big no, no. It's like unwritten rules. Right. So basketball, you walk into the court you walk on, you know, onto the court and the arena. And like one of my first shots was like AD and his nose was like touching my camera. And I was like, this is insane. It's just crazy how close you can get to these guys. And that's just part of the game for them. It's just what they do. And they just know that they're around. So, that's really cool and then getting a chance to film like pregame with all the lights and trying out different things and like yeah putting on a prime and orbiting a guy or you know racking from stands to there's just so many different things you can do with with the different lighting setups that that happen during pregame it's just uh it's fun
1: yeah, I never even thought of that because there's so many of us uh, around them 24-7 with cameras. And, I f- and the team is much smaller with basketball. You know what I mean? There's like, there's only four, 15 dudes, 14 dudes, whatever. And with baseball, you have this huge, massive team and yeah. the cameras aren't around them 24-7. No.
0: It's also like less flashy of a
2: sport. Absolutely. It's not It's not part of the culture, really, of a baseball. Like
1: the, the, the fits, NFL, the walk-ins, all that stuff. NFL,
2: NBA, like that's like... That's like what it, what it is. They they know it's like part of the culture of like, you know, social media and branding yourself and building out this, you know, kind of social culture for for themselves. Whereas baseball, a lot of baseball players like I don't I don't give a fuck. I don't care at all. I'm here to play game play my, play my play my game and then get out. I don't need a camera around. I don't need any of that stuff. So, it's very different. It it actually feels like a culture shock going from baseball to basketball and then back to baseball sometimes. You end the basketball season you go to spring training you're like got to put on a different hat you got to be you know a whole different mindset same thing like you end up and playoffs and you go into basketball it's like all right i gotta change gears here because like i can do things differently here what is the
1: biggest mindset shift from flip-flopping back and forth
2: i don't know I, I don't know if this is a good answer but just like not being as timid i guess like i think maybe it's just me but i overthink a lot within baseball i try to be very respectful and should I shoot this at right now? Or should I put my camera at this guy? Or what will he think if I do this? Because also too, we're in a u- unique spot because we know them personally. And so that can ruin a relationship because we have to ask them for a lot of things throughout the year. And so if like, we point a camera at someone after they go for four or strike it out four times, and they're like, why the fuck is Scott filming me right now? That could, they remember this kind, these kinds of things as much as you don't want to think they do. Like, And not everyone does and not everyone really care, but. These are some things you kind of have to think about at some point because they could come back and, and bite you in the ass. So we're kind of in a different different spot with, with with what we do and how we tell stories. So you just gotta be careful with that. But I guess with the mindset, just like, yeah, not being as timid, I
0: guess. It also helps at your prime time, you know what
2: I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Dion. <laughs> yeah, why, Dion's not timid, you know what I'm saying? It's prime time, He's baby. telling his
1: takes, baby. <laughs>
2: I, uh, maybe I should just pull up with some shades
1: on. <laughs> I think you should. Scott, what, um, what advice would you give to someone that's younger wanting to get into shooting sports? How young? I, I mean, just someone that maybe isn't shooting professionally that wants to get to the highest level of sports. It's also interesting because
0: you guys both shoot the same team, but in a different way. You work for Spectrum. Braden works directly for the Lakers. I feel like there's different ways to get into shooting
2: sports. Yeah, it doesn't Absolutely. have to just be with the team. Absolutely. Um, that's a good question. Can I ask you what your advice would be? Yeah, sure. I think
1: my advice would be to get access to whatever you possibly can, whether it's high school or your little brother's sixth grade uh, you know, flag football team. Because... Anytime you get behind the camera is great. And then slowly try to waddle your way up that ladder um, and get to high school and get a credential there. And then maybe a smaller D2 college that actually needs, you know, shooters. Cause if you were thinking, um, you know, Ohio state doesn't need shooters, but the small school in Ohio needs help big time, you know? And so thinking about where you can provide the most value and you have to be very honest with yourself. I think of like where you can actually help. Because it's definitely not at, you know, a, a really more prestigious school than Washington, Oregon. You know, they don't need help, but U Dub could need some some serious help, right? <laughs> but not from you. So it's different. You know, you got, they
2: pick the right people, so it's different. You know. <laughs> So as long as you're not like Brayden, then it's really not a problem. I guess that's my advice is just don't be like Brayden and then you can probably get your foot in the door anyway. It's funny because that's how I try to live my life every day. I have a sign. Aspects. You know, we talked about this sign. There's a sign yeah. that I have. It's just, what would Brayden do? And then I just do to the, the opposite. opposite. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's really, that's really it. Dude, thank you for coming on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but in all seriousness, I, I do get that question sometimes and I think my answer is pretty similar, is go to your high school, middle school, whatever it is, find some kind of sport you get access to, community college down the road, and film form, because what I say is like you can get more access to them than I could ever get with the Dodgers. And that is a huge benefit for you, and you can make it look however you want. You are the full creative director in that in that mode. You can choose how to film things, how to light things, how, what stories to tell, how to tell them. So I think like taking advantage. Don't see like shooting at high school or college as as a downside or as something that's that's negative or or not not good enough, not prestigious enough, because you have full control. And I've seen quite a few creators who shoot for high schools and small colleges where I'm like, their stuff is better than mine. And it's impressive and you can do a lot of stuff. I think it's less about who you're filming and more about how you're filming it, right? And so you can, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like fun to like have those people in front of you and the talent in front of you of the guys that we're, that we're working with. Um, but I, I do think like if you approach it in a way of pushing the creative limits and, and telling stories that you wanna tell, then you you might even be in a better position as far as like putting yourself in a good spot to, to get a, a really good gig, you know?
0: I would also maybe advise someone to, yes, kind of push the limits and see how creative you can get, but make sure that your stuff is on brand with the team that you'd wanna work for. If you're shooting a high school basketball game, look at what the Lakers are producing and try to make a piece that resemble something that the lakers would actually put out themselves
1: yeah i feel like if the internship came around next summer and someone was like this is what i did for a game i did exactly what you guys would do we'd be like holy shit like what because that just doesn't
2: happen you know you're, you're just not seeing that or taking something Taking a step further yeah. and being like this is what the lakers could be doing in their games love it yeah absolutely right? like, you you can still stay creative in that in that realm and i think like I do, I do really firmly believe that like what you post is kind of what you will attract and what you share, that style that you have is what you'll kind of attract as far as clients and brands go. And so yeah, not being scared to mimic different ideas, but also thinking ahead of like, what could the Lakers do and how, what could they implement into, into their workflow that would make things even better? What. Jersey you know reveal mm-hmm. could they be doing that's different or you know mm-hmm. ideas that you're not really seeing a ton from from these brands that mm-hmm. they could be implementing so I think like not being scared to be creative and and going outside of the mold of what you see these brands doing too I think that's that's important
1: what uh, in these next six to 12 months do you hope to
2: improve on the most in your own work at some point I want to get more into like the commercial world so I think for me it's like how can I work on like different sets and, and lighting things? Um, I think that'd be a, a something I really want to grow in and then also continue to work on storytelling because that's always going to be there. That's always going to be the main focus for brands and creators is the story and how you can tell it. And so storytelling, but also like making things look cooler. I think I'm always on the journey of like, how can I make this look better, look more interesting, look cooler. I think that's like my my con- continuous journey that I'm on.
1: Is there a specific shot you want to get this year? Sports, yeah, yeah, like, a, like yeah. a bucket list. You shot haven't either? got.
2: I don't know. Um, do you have one? Do you have a bucket list shot list? Oh, I we both
1: should make it because you know what's crazy is after you've shot the same thing so many times. You know, We've talked about it, like, oh, you become numb to it or whatever. You start looking at it from a different perspective. But I think about the actual game itself, and I just want – this year specifically, I do not want to miss – any highlights and i always look back and i think like a few years ago when we had russ russ had that dunk on rudy gobert and i was editing a clip it was sick it was great great timing editing a clip during the play and then i go to zoom in fucking out of focus great missed the whole thing um and so this year i want to look back at all of the shots and say one I was locked in focus on everything, which is like literally impossible. But if I set that standard for myself, I hope that I go absolutely above and beyond of what I did last year and just try to make it 10 times as good, which isn't possible. But like, it's a fun thing to, for me to play in my head to try to get as good as I possibly can. Um, and B, I, I hope that when you watch the mini movies that we make, that you're very inspired. That's what I'd hope for the year. Lock and focuses. It's so fucking hard. It's so hard, and it, it, it gets me so excited though. The thought of like when you get one absolutely perfect, zoomed all the way in. It's like the best feeling
2: ever. Yeah, it really. It's like it's like squaring up a ball in mm-hmm. baseball, or like oh. when you're playing golf, whatever it is. It's like it is. You want to show it to everyone. Oh, you're, you're like, like look, look, look <laughs> at that
1: ball. It's in. Fo- you know how hard that is to get that ball. Did you see focus. that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: one one four. You see how <laughs> one, is? Four. You see that? Like, no, I don't care, man. Yeah. <laughs> I care. No, that's that's a great goal. Um and that's funny cause like we care about highlights cause we show a lot of game footage, but like, that's never the front of mind for me. Um, it's usually like, how can I best tell the story and what shots do we need to tell the story? And a lot of times it's like audio based or interview based, but, um, I do like visually telling cool. I just want to shoot really creative stuff around LeBron while he's still around. Um, and I don't necessarily know what that looks like, but, maybe just trying it. We have a, we have a F55 and we shoot on a, we don't do it often, but there's a 50 to a thousand lens that we have. Fuji nine. Yeah. uh, Canon might be Canon. I think it's Canon. And I think we used to shoot with that exclusively in that slash spot. Um, And we've, we've kind of stopped doing that because we have the one to four and it's just like easier to set up, but that lens can get some really cool stuff. I'm thinking like, Sweat dripping off in slow mo, like tights of like eyes and stuff like that. I just think shots that you don't see on the broadcast is kind of what I aim for. No, <laughs> things, totally things yeah. that you yeah. you don't see on the broadcast that like people don't that you don't usually see. So whether that's a different angle, um, different perspective. Yeah. I think different frame rate. Uh, I, I don't think I have a specific shot, but I think when I, when I do get it, I'll make sure to show you. Yeah, I'll, l- I'll
1: let you know too. Yeah. Cause I, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I don't know what the shot it is and I need to, I need to think about that. Cause I want something to, yeah, I want like a super bowl shot in my head to look, to look forward to, and to try to push me to be better. Yeah. It's exciting times. I this is a series called Stock and Talk, where we go back to you know your IG, we scroll all the way down and we find oh. something to talk about. And I actually, this is the first time I've ever done this, I screenshotted a period of time uh, because you used to shoot a lot of portraits, and I wanted to know, you know, uh, what why, why did you shoot so many portraits back in the day? And then I feel like it just switched, it switched to sports immediately you know kind of after this little period of time
2: yeah it's funny um i used to do a ton of portraits and i think it was a time where i that was around the time where i just got my camera and like i'd had it for maybe a year and i just did i didn't know what to shoot did you I shoot any like, flowers i should have you didn't shoot any flowers i feel like we all shoot some flowers we have
1: a joke
0: that like every, everyone shoots flowers everybody shoots flowers at the beginning you walk
1: shoot. out and you go <laughs> shoot some flowers like a ton of Get them. some bokeh? Shit, i missed that <laughs> He didn't get that text. He was on that Sorry. group chat. It's
2: all right. It happens. We'll. Okay, I'll, I'll blame. Gonna... We'll blame Ed. Yeah, it's Ed's fault for sure. Yeah. He never. He never told me to. Yeah. So like I fault. just did what he did. Yeah. So it's different. Um, Ed told cool. us he shot flowers. Yeah, he, he shot flowers. He just lied to you. <laughs> Anyways. Anyway, we digress. Uh, I yeah, I went through, and I, I I think I was just excited to go shoot stuff with with friends, and so I was like, "What can I do that looks cool?" And I I think for a period of time, that was kind of correlated with like weddings in a sense of like getting around people and, um, practicing, like posing cause I like always had a really hard time with posing couples and weddings and whatnot. So I was like great way to practice like different poses with people and working with different types of people. Um, it just, it helped give me a subject to work with instead of just going out into nature and shooting a tree or flowers like some do. But I, I think like it was, it was a great period for me to like work with people, that I didn't have to pay, and even if they weren't paying me, um, it was it was great practice. And then I eventually like would do some like portrait sessions, so I was like able to make a little bit of money with doing portraits. But it was just a fun thing to do with friends. I think at that time that I was doing those, it wasn't um, I hadn't like really started fully like using my camera to my fullest extent. So it was more of just like oh, I'm just doing it for fun and creating things here and there. But I just like want to go do and create more things. So it was just a yeah a period of time where I, I wanted to keep learning and learning my camera. And that's part of the time where I would go and dig on YouTube and find new tutorials on how to pose and how to edit. That was a big time where I learned how to find a color grade and how to work in Lightroom and edit with color. And so big blue and orange guy. Yeah, I mean, I, what, yeah. Let's go. Yeah, I, teal and orange or um, the faded film look oh, back in the day. Oh, come on, dude. Throwing like insane amounts of grain on things. You know, just we all go through it. <laughs> Still, do it. Still do it. You got a bad photo? Throw some grain <laughs> yeah. on it. Or colors off, throw it in black and white. Black and white. <laughs> and white. Both grain and black and white. Was that taken on a film camera? <laughs> yeah, as far as you know. <laughs>
0: All right, so we always finish the pod with one question, and it is advice to your 18 year old self. If you could talk to yourself back in the day, what advice would you give?
2: I'm going to actually talk to myself. Yeah. Sure.
1: It feels kind of silly. 12 year old Scott. (laughs) 18 18 18 year old Scott.
2: Now, what advice would you give to 18 year old Scott? It's funny, except that time in my life, I just graduated high school, so I wouldn't have even picked up a camera until four years later. So, and I think at that time, I was worried about making the right choice with college and what I would major in and all that kind of stuff. And I think what I'd tell myself is like, it's okay to go down the wrong path. Um, It's okay to like, not pick the right thing. I thought I was gonna be a physician's assistant and then I changed my major to psychology and then I went into medical sales. You know, it's like before I even really picked up a camera, I made all these decisions you know, after 18 that, that weren't even close to where I'm at right now. So I, I don't think that you have to have it all figured out. I would tell myself not to stress about having it all figured out. I think that's a big worry for a lot of young people is like, what if I'm wasting my time? What if I'm not doing it right? Um, and I think like you, if you find that thing that you're passionate about and you just push yourself to learn more about it and stay curious, I think you'll get to where you want to go. And at that time at 18, like I, I could have never guessed this is where I would end up. And so just telling myself to like, yeah, it, it's okay to, to pick a path and then redirect, pick something and, and change. It's okay to, and then once you get to that point, it's okay to, to take new leaps of faith and to, to try new things. Um, it's funny cause that's 11 years ago for me. So, um, yeah, I'm an old man, but, uh, you look good, though. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, all the Botox, you know. And, and, that's what uh, it happens yeah. when you move out here. It yeah, comes with it. They give you a Tesla and some
1: Botox right when you move Boom, down. Boom, welcome to LA. <laughs> I mean, primetime's got to look on yeah. time. you know?
2: <laughs> I left my shades at home for you
1: guys. <laughs> Dude. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to episode 82 of the 505 Podcast. If you're still here, please hit that subscribe button, leave a like, leave a comment down below, and we'll see y'all next week. Peace. Later.